Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Sunday, May 7th, 2023, basking in the glow of the fifth Grand Prix of the Formula One World Championship. And joining me tonight is my neighbor, my frenemy, my, I can't do it the way that you, colleague, colleague, colleague. that's That's another one. one. That's one. I've forgotten the rest. Anyways, Mr. Mark Hamilton's here, business partner, et cetera, uh, et cetera. Well, we just kind of like keep adding up. But anyways, Mr. Mark Hamilton, how the hell are you? Dude, so I am the worst husband. So we had it, my wife and I. <laughs> That's not wife, what I was expecting <laughs> you to lead. <laughs> my wife and I last night went to a huge fundraising gala for my son's school. My wife was a part of the organizing committee. It was beautiful. I am the worst husband. I, I basically absconded myself into the corner and watched the Warriors Lakers game on my phone for the first two hours of this gala and then hid myself away in another corner to watch the end of the Oilers Vegas Knights game. But I'm a, I'm a terrible husband, but today was good. We had we had a Grand Prix. Things are things are well. And looking at the forecast, man, I don't think anyone here cares what Vancouver weather is going to be like next weekend. But 30 degree weather on a weekend without a Grand Prix. Beautiful, beautiful. There we go. Are we at the, the the May long weekend? No, that's two weekends from now, isn't two it? Two weekends, yeah. Wow, yeah. That's uh, that that's going to be nice because it has been wet and damp and miserable and cold, even uh, more than usual. It feels like I agree. Uh, around it's here, it's been a never it's ending been, spring. It's been pretty dreary, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But just going back to like your whole like fundraising kind of like saga, I actually found your running commentary on Twitter about how much you <laughs> consider yourself like a horrible person actually more more enjoyable. Than watching the games themselves so i was just kind of like oh let's see how like 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 hammy's like conscience is eating away at him now i am an internet personality my friend my 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 fans deserve and demand it that's right well talking about internet so we're we're going to jump into the the miami grand prix and we'll 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 do that in just a moment but why don't we first of all just uh, hit everybody with an update of our f1 fantasy league and while you put those up first of all i'm going to show magnus and the crew over the race Weekend Magazine some love. And if you uh, really love that um, publication as much as we do, make sure you head on over to the raceweekend.com, enter in our promo code ScuderiaPod at checkout and save 10%. And also check out racingexclusives.com. They've got unique, one of the kind, certifiable, authentic F1 racing merch. And Tease and the crew do a fantastic job over there. But daily, Abby, daily, but you didn't even mention. So, Race Weekend, shout out to Magnus and crew. They released just a few hours hours ago in incredible Tiesto box set. So imagine this, the race weekend magazine 
has partnered with Tiesto, the global music superstar, to release a box set that includes a signed vinyl copy of his latest album, Drive, a limited edition Prelli Tiesto podium cap, a limited edition Tiesto race weekend shirt, a copy, like I said, of the uh, recently released, uh, or sorry, a copy of the newly released race weekend F1 World of Champions issue, which all subscribers are going to get, and a poster of the Drive helmet artwork. So if you are a fan of Tiesto, if you are a fan of the race weekend, weekend if you're interested in adding a signed autographed tiesto vinyl album to your collection head over to the reese weekend right now because as of i think 3 p.m pacific time they had 50 box sets ready to go and i think they've sold through most of them uh but if you're interested that is super super cool and what a phenomenal phenomenal collaboration tiesto race weekend yeah, Formula one that, it doesn't get much better I, I jump in and cut you off because that's like like a sort of a convergence of all of my favorite things <laughs> and which which i cannot afford so so, you know, like I'm extremely jealous that, uh, you know, like they're like fancy one of a kind exclusive like merch like that and like will never be a thing it's, in my it's life. It's like so. I'm describing a steak dinner to you while you are away at a vegan retreat. You know what I pretty mean? Much. Like, that oh, is God, a just... great way to put it because, you know, but, you, you know, you and I, we're, we're pretty much in the same, like, boat. We're, we're working our fingers to the bone for, like, like, like the, the, the benefit of others being those bottomless pits known as children. And they're, <laughs> they're growing up having, like, these fantastic, like, you know, like childhoods, like, growing up, which they should, but there, there's not a, left, not a lot, lot left over for, for Hammy and Daly. But uh, anyways... I you just, know, I guess I, just I guess that's my parents son, anywhere. There's there's parents. I just need my son to be the cash cow that I dream that he will be when he's 18. Because I have no retirement plan other than my son being wildly successful. So on to <laughs> on to the F1 fantasy standings. There has been a shakeup, and we'll Ooh, explain why in a couple okay. minutes. But okay. Jesse H has moved up one position to number one. Ooh, Bengals okay. Bubs after two weeks at the number one spot has slipped to number two. Ole's Lena's is number three. Le one F1 is number four charles cl is still at number five nathan's team is locked in at number six no doze has moved up to number seven mr saucy nugged has moved down to number eight the bad guy one has moved up to number nine and green bull romeo has moved up to number 10 so lots of movement despite the fact and we'll get to this the fact that the podium wasn't a lot different than what we've seen so far this interesting, year. interesting right yeah and green bull romeo i mean they they kind of like dropped out of the top 10 and kind of moved back in right so yeah so they their way back in yeah and there's a lot going on with that name which we're gonna to have to find out about at some point in the future but what, what's the difference at the top because bengals bubs was sitting on top there for like you say the last two races so uh, what, what was the change in points there so right now, Jesse H is sitting in, that's a good question, 1722. Bengals Bub is only 11 points behind him. Ooh, so pretty it close. is razor. This is like the 2021 championship, but in F1 fantasy context, two years later, uh, that's a terrible analogy. It's close. <laughs> Just understand it's close and a lot of stuff can still happen this year. So in other words, you know, don't bother watching the remaining 18 races of the season. Just tune in to find out what happened in Scuderia F1 Fantasy I would recommend F1. don't watch the races. All you need is us. All you there need you is go. us. Save there yourself the 90 minutes every Sunday. Yeah, that that seems like you know, we just gave ourselves the kiss of death. You know, like you know, I, I'm not going to make any comparisons just because I, I don't want to make any worse than we already did. So, anyways, we, we had a race this weekend in Miami. Mark, two years into this thing now, 
what do you think? Like, do you like the circuit? Do you like the facility? I mean, I have to admit that uh, I think that they did a great job with the resurfacing because this track did not chew up tires like we saw 12 uh, months ago. But I have to give them a lot of props. I think that the facility that they've built in and around Hard Rock Stadium, I love how they use the stadium itself as part of the paddock facility. I thought it was super cool. I thought it was really cool when you saw those overhead shots to see the field there at Hard Rock, see the Miami Dolphins logo on one side of the field, the F1 logo on the other, all the trailers around it. I thought it was really, really cool. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like two months or sorry, two years into this thing. Are you, are you loving it? Are you lukewarm on it? Are you hating it? Where, where are you sitting right now? It's it's remarkable that you and I talked for years about the potential of a Miami Grand Prix happening. And we all know why it was ultimately going to happen because the race organizer himself had attempted to buy Formula One. And uh, as part of the agreement to step aside and let Liberty move in, he was granted effectively the rights to host this race without a sanctioning fee. And of course, early on, it was expected that it would be racing on the streets of Miami and over the causeway. And then ultimately, it got bumped to... Miami Gardens. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm not going to take that super negative, prejudiced view that I think a, a lot of F1 fans have taken, which is there's too many races in the United States. This one's unnecessary. It's a parking lot. There are far worse events and far worse races on the calendar than this one. One of them, Agreed. for instance, being Monaco, which is where we're going to be going shortly. And I think what they've been able to engineer in this parking lot, and I would still. I still hope they can find a way to smooth out that chicane at 1415. It's not terrible. And the surface, like you said, was infinitely better this year. And it was a little bit unpredictable on the Sunday because it was a green surface after it poured with rain on Saturday night. But I, I don't hate it. And I mean, ultimately, it's not the race for me in the sense that I'm just priced out. And I, I have to be cautious because sometimes I'm critical of races because of whether or not I can attend them or not. And I've just mm-hmm. made peace with the fact that, you know what, this race isn't for me. It seems very, it seems clearly very commercial. And again, that's why it exists, right? Because if you're the race organizer, you want to monetize it in every possible way. From everything Fair I've enough. heard, and we've had a ton of listeners that were down there. We had some listeners that were down there in marshalling duties. By all accounts, the the fan experience has been insanely improved versus the last year hydration the availability of beverage stations the availability of merch the availability of shade that it's a better experience but it's remarkable that we're already two races in and we're now just months away from las vegas so i think the question is what's it going to look like next year when we're a year or two years in deep into having three u.s races on the calendar but i'm not going to come out and say i hate it and i can't say i hate it because it's a hybrid street track because i'm a huge fan of jetta which is effectively the same thing of course it's much longer and much faster but but it's fine it's fine there's worse tracks and worse events on the calendar yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I really like the, 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 the fact that the track didn't chew tires apart. Like, much like yourself, I'm, I don't really love that, that turn 14, 15 chicane there. I would have to take a little bit of a closer look at it because I know that there's an overpass right there. So exactly. I don't know I don't think they can if do there's a structure. Yeah, yeah. There, there yeah. might be some sort of structure in the way preventing them. You know, they, they might have been forced uh, to do it that way. But however, one of these days, I'll try and take a look and kind of put my mind at in ease your to official see exactly surveying what capacity. You can in, go in down a, and make some exactly. professional recommendations on what I they will, can do. I, Exactly. Uh, I'll get uh, Herman Tilka on the line personally and tell him what my recommendations are. I'll even send. Dude, if uh, you myself. can get him on the line, just get him on the show. We don't. We don't <laughs> need to bother him with track change recommendations. 
did, you know, just a, a little aside here, did we not talk about it, um, I can't remember when, just the, the, the percentage of Herman Tilka design tracks that are currently on the calendar? Isn't it, is it, it's got to be more than 50%. I don't remember what the stats were, but there there are a lot. I mean, the monopoly or the, uh, the niche or whatever you want to call it that that Herman and his, his company have is absolutely incredible. And I mean, this is just not like new tracks, but I mean, they've been doing this for, for, a, for a long, long time. I know you're, you're mad googling this stuff I have, got the, the I have it in front of oh, me so beauty, so I, beauty. I'm gonna bring this up real quick so in terms of the tracks that so he's designed many tracks but the tracks that he's designed that are currently on the calendar include Bahrain Baku um, Circuit of the America Hanoi although that's obviously not in the calendar but it may come onto the calendar um, I'm looking here but Red Bull ring is one of his Sepang was one of his Shanghai is one of his Sochi Autodrome which hopefully we'll never see again is on here um, <laughs> wow. Valencia the Valencia Street Circuit which yep. is obviously yep. not on the calendar right now and Yas Marina so yeah not insignificant number of his design tracks are are on the calendar so probably about 35%, 40%, something like that. That That's pretty impressive. Anyways, uh, before we get into the race itself, l- let's just go down the, um, the, the, the the final race classification, and then we can kind of uh, unpack this thing a little bit and talk uh, a little bit more about what we saw over the last uh, couple of days. So after five races, again, we saw a podium of Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, and Fernando Alonso. I mean, deja vu. I mean, I know we had uh, Lewis in there. We've seen this kind of like uh, go a little bit in a couple slight different uh, variations over the past couple of races but max winning sergio coming second fernando again in third the uh, george russell carlos Sainz, lewis hamilton charles leclerc pierre gasly and esteban alcon finally a double points finish for the alpines after a very rough start to the season but again five races in Five wins for the Red Bulls. Max is leading the season series over his teammate, uh, Sergio Perez, with three wins to two. And where do you want to go from here, Hammy? Should we uh, talk about... Well, let, let's just go quickly down the driver standings uh, in the first, uh, you know, the, the top five at any race. At, at any rate, pardon me, we have Max Verstappen with 119, Sergio with 105, Fernando 75, looking good for Fernando. Uh, Lewis is currently fourth, sitting on, what does Lewis have, 56, and then Carlos Sainz with uh, 44. Then looking over at the Constructors Championship, you have a Red Bull, 224 points, Aston Martin, 102, Mercedes, 96. You know, I was surprised when I saw that that, that difference between uh, Aston Martin and Mercedes is cl- you know, pretty close. You have it's Ferrari closer than I expected. I had the exact same feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then McLaren and then Alpine now tied. Well, you know, McLaren is fifth but they're, and uh, Alpine is sixth, but they're sitting tied on points but McLaren taking the 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 tiebreaker to slide into the top 10 so Hammy uh let's talk quickly about the um qualifying because we saw some interesting things happening in qualifying including a red flag right at the end of Q3 which really shook up the uh the the you know the, the top 10 and we saw some people in places that we normally wouldn't but uh, after Q1 uh we lost well the usual suspects but one of the drivers we lost in Q1 was Lance Stroll from Aston Martin and then going through in Q2 we lost another couple of 
uh, well, five more cars. And in that group included Lewis Hamilton. And then that sets up the top 10 shootouts. And then what was it about so just under two minutes to go? Uh, Charles Leclerc puts into the, 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 the tech pro barrier again. I mean, he had a number of offsets this weekend. They decided to red flag it because even if they stopped it, restarted it, nobody would have made it around. They they basically would have had to do a flying lap with uh, you know some sort of hope that they would get around to start finish to do another flying lap, and it just uh, wasn't going to happen. So that sets up a front row of Checo and Fernando, a row two of Carlos Sainz and K Mag K Mag for Haas lining up in fourth. The Ampere Gasly and George Russell row three, Charles Leclerc and Esteban Ocon row four, and then Max Verstappen and Valtteri Bottas in row five to start this one. Mark, that was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a wild and crazy qualifying session. I mean, the, the two big names that uh, that really stick out, I mean, we all kind of know like what, what's going on with Aston Martin. We've talked about it extensively that uh, we, we know what this car is capable of now, five races into it. And Fernando is proving again how much, uh, you know, what, what the car is capable of. And and that's why that delta between themselves and Mercedes is so close in the constructors is because it's basically Fernando bringing home all the points and Lance is really struggling to, to, to you know, contribute in any meaningful way. So we lose Lance Q1. Lewis in Q2 in in P13 that was that was unexpected and then I mean of course that wild and crazy finish that we saw the the, the top 10 all mixed up I don't think that if um, you know Charles has his his off I mean obviously that he would have suffered uh, for for that but I think that if they got that last flying lap in there's no way that top 10 looks the way that it does to start this race the only real commentary and obviously we've got a grand prix to talk about but the only real commentary that i have around qualifying is sure doesn't feel like this is the first time that charles leclerc has red flagged a qualifying session and ultimately it didn't necessarily benefit him because it's not like he was sitting on pole but that has happened before where he's basically achieved a pole because he red flagged a session and no one could get another flying lap in so I just I go back to that conversation that you and I have had in the past about the fact that if you bring out red flags in a session, you should have your fastest lap time or all of your lap times from from that session deleted. That there needs to be a penalty for doing this. The other commentary that I would have about qualifying, especially Q three, is that mistake that and Max was largely clinical this weekend, but he did make a mistake early in Q three, which is ultimately yep. what gifted ultimately gifted Sergio Perez pole. So it gave it gave Perez an opportunity to race for a Grand Prix victory this weekend, which obviously we'll talk about. But I think my two biggest takeaways were one, that Max made an unforced error early in the Q3 or the early in the session uh, that that cost him the ability to to kind of land on pole because obviously it was red flagged and the session was terminated. But the other commentary just being, look, if you're going to red flag a session, there's got to be a consequence. There's got to be a penalty for that. And in my opinion, will continue to be that you need to lose all of your timings from that session. And you raise a really good point there about Max. I mean, he made an uncharacteristic error and, and and you use the word clinical because he's just on it. I mean, he is just driving so flawlessly. And I mean, and, and that's why Lewis was so successful in the peak Mercedes times. I mean, in, in, in the teens, right? I mean, how many times do we see Lewis go out there, not put a wheel wrong, all weekend long through practice, through qualifying, through the race, race after race after race, 
throw down those like really, really quick laps or, you know, the whole hammer time thing when he needed to, he was always on it. We're seeing Max do the same thing. And very much like uh, Lewis in, um, you know, the, the, the Mercedes era a couple of years ago, you got the, 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 best driver who is the best on form in the best car with the best power unit in it and like we saw with lewis and mercedes all those years good things happen but it it was unusual to see max have that little wobble and you just had that feeling okay he's going to have one more flying lap he's going to nail this thing and uh, he doesn't get the the opportunity to do so but you know (laughs) after that happened and i saw that really unusual looking top 10 at least for the you know the start of sunday's race I had a feeling that, you know, it doesn't matter if he starts on the front row or if he starts at the back of the grid. Like you just feel that that whatever happens, that Max is going to end up like on the podium like so every that, single weekend. That's, my, that's right? my question to you. So when we when we ultimately had the, the the race start order, which had Max sitting at P9, what was your what was your impression? So post-race, somebody had asked Max, like, hey, what was your expectation starting P9? And he said, you know, he's like, my expectation was that it was going to be a P2 weekend, that I was going to finish P2. When I saw when I saw that final race order, there was still nothing in my head that made me doubt that a race week, like a race victory was going to be possible for him. And, and I, I know that Fernando Alonso had said that he expected that he had expected that Max would be on the back of Sergio Perez within 25 laps and ultimately was 15. Like he he carved through the field. But my question to you is when you saw that starting order, what, what was what was your expectation, your prediction about where Max was going to finish? Or were you like me, like he's going to win this race? He's just that good. Yeah, I, w- I was pretty much resigned to the fact that I think he was going to win. My, 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 the only question I had was, okay, you got Checo starting on the mediums, you got Max starting on the hards. Who's picked the rights? You know, who, who's got it right here? And it was interesting after the race uh, because they put that question to, to, to Christian Horner. It's like, why did you put Max on the hards and the other way around? And Christian even said that all the modeling, all the predictions that, that they that they had said that starting on the medium and then switching to the hards was the way to go. And then you hear Max saying, well, you know, we'd actually started discussing doing this uh, yesterday, but, you know, I just had that feeling that I don't know what it is. It just, uh, I feel like Max has made the right call. I mean, he extended as far as he could. And then, you know, even though that the the hard seemed to be a pretty quick, quick tire, I don't know. I just had a feeling that it doesn't seem to be too much of a a detriment to, to Max. I mean, look what happened to him last year at Spa. He starts P, like in, in 14th. He's up to P9 by the end of lap one. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think to Max, I think he's he's playing video games. I, I think that he's that dialed in and is just, uh, he just gets out there and does his thing. You know, it just, it, it's it's amazing to watch the, the the best of the best, be it Max, be it Lewis, be whoever. It's, it's incredible to watch these I'm- people when they're on form. I'm certainly glad you brought up the the Red Bull Contra strategies because that was certainly a conversation point going into the race and maybe ultimately during the race. I, I think the strategy that they deployed for Perez was ultimately kind of dictated, right? Like if you're starting on pole, if you're starting in the top five, you've got to start on the softest compound possible because you don't want to be giving up race positions early. And if you're say, starting on hard and this person in the box next to you or in the grid slot next to you is starting on a softer medium, well, 
that that's going to put you at an immediate disadvantage and you want that disadvantage. So it, it made sense ultimately that that Sergio Perez was starting on the medium. But ultimately, as far as I'm concerned, this wasn't, and Julian Palmer said this earlier on the checkered flag podcast, this wasn't a race about strategy. This was 100% a race about pace that Sergio Perez massively, and, and he admitted this as well, that he massively misplayed and and misjudged how he should be driving on those medium tires that he wasted the medium tire session because he couldn't get enough grip and he couldn't get enough traction out of them and then max was just an absolute monster on those hard tires and it was crazy because by the time that by the time that that prez went and and swapped tires and he went onto the hards he's on effectively a new pair of hards and max is on a pair of hards that's dozens of laps old and max is still putting in better times than prez was on the new hards that ultimately strategy be damned in this race because max just had such massive pace and i have to criticize sergio a little bit and i love sergio um, but i think he would admit as well that he wasted a really great opportunity at a race win today because he simply couldn't get a Enough out of those medium tires when he had the opportunity. And because he couldn't get enough out of it, he, he created this opening for Max to come in. But Max was absolutely clinical. And like, like I said earlier on, the fact that he was on the back of Perez in 15 laps, man, from P9 yeah. to P2 in, in 15 laps, at that point, there was never any question that, that he was going to be a candidate for a race win. And the only reason there was really any drama at the end, and to be fair, after after Max had gone in and pitted for the medium tires, which were obviously going to put him at a huge advantage because at that point, the laps had been clicking away on on Perez's hards. Like by the time Max eventually goes in, he does a 3.2 second pit stop versus what was on average a 2.2 that day. Had he been able to mm -hmm. secure a 2.2 second pit stop, maybe he comes out in front of Perez and there's never a battle anyways. And he runs away and wins by 10 seconds. But ultimately he takes the race win by five seconds. And, and of course, Alonso's 20 seconds behind Perez, but absolutely a clinical masterclass by by Verstappen, but it was also completely drama free because he really didn't yep, have yep. to work for this race victory. He carved through the field. There was no drama. There were no red flags. There was no DNFs. By the way, just the 12th Grand Prix in F1 history without a single DNF, but there was nothing that would compromise the race. And it's a little bit scary because you and I sat here a couple of days ago and we said, hey, you know what? Maybe we could get a decent battle this year between Perez and Max Verstappen. But I feel like Max Verstappen has put a marker down, just simply demonstrating that, look, even if you give Sergio Perez a nine place head start, I will still come and take that race victory. Yeah, but it, it was never going to be a contest. Like you say, Sergio just didn't maximize the mediums when he had him on the car. Checo goes in for his uh, one and only pit stop on, on lap 20. That means he's got to run those hard tires for 37 laps. Max makes those his hard tires last 45, meaning he's on the mediums for 12 laps. I mean, by the time, you know, he comes up to to challenge uh, Checo for the, for the for 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 the lead, it's it's easy because I mean, he doesn't really have to push too hard and th they gave each other enough room. They were both aware that they weren't going to take e each other out, but if Max didn't get him when he did, it would have been the next corner or the corner after. He was had so much uh, luxury to to basically pick when where and how he was going to pick uh, you know be Checo because you know Checo's tires weren't done but they were certainly you know pretty old by the time you know Max had had his pit stop and it was just uh, it was just a, a question of time. Wait, Mark, I just want to jump in. We'll take a very quick uh, one and only uh, 
uh, pit stop here for a very quick uh, commercial break. We'll come back. want to talk about uh, another things, including another pretty pedestrian, you know, uninspired weekend from Ferrari. want to talk about Aston Martin and, uh, and others. We'll do so in just a moment. So don't go away. We will be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Mark and Mark breaking down the 2023 Miami Grand Prix. Mark, despite the fact that uh, we see another battle, and I use that in an inverted commas, battle <laughs> between the Red Bulls again for the uh, for the, the, the race victory. Again, you know, and I, I hate to say it, I mean, but if you take Max and you take away Checo, that's the rest of the the, the field. There was some pretty good racing going on there. It, it's just a little bit, well, it's more than a little bit frustrating that that can't be translated right up to, to the front because there just is that much of a delta. I mean, I was thinking about it today. They must have at least a second a lap pace on everyone else. I mean, you, when you look where, I mean, Fernando was what, 20 seconds behind? Where, was he 20 seconds behind yeah, Checo tw- or 20 seconds? 21, 21 seconds behind Perez. He finished 21 seconds behind yeah, Perez. Yeah, amazing. And I mean, that's after all the pit stops and everything. So they, they have a huge advantage over everyone else and there was some uh, you know pretty good uh, racing i love what i saw you know k mag was really mixing it up uh, all afternoon uh, uh, long which was uh good to see as well and uh it was good to see the alpines up there as well because uh, they've had a pretty horrible start but let's talk now about uh aston martin fernando again up on the podium like his uh his run of form this year is it, it continues and i love it when i see fernando because you know as as i've said quite a bit over the past uh 
couple of months. I've had a real love-hate relationship with Fernando over the past two decades. And it's more often than not, sorry, Fernando, it's been a hate relationship more than a love relationship. But I have to admit, I love seeing chill, smiling, happy Fernando. Like after qualifying, he's beaming ear to ear. He's out there. He's having a good time talking to Danica in the in the interviews. He, he, he just looks like he's having a lot of fun. And there were a lot of times it previously in some of his other stops in Formula One where he obviously didn't enjoy where he was and he was you know, completely, you know, he was angry Fernando. And um, yeah, like I say, I, you, you can tell he's in a good place and that car, it just looks good. I mean, obviously it's not quite as quick as the Red Bulls, but you know, Despite it being a little bit draggy, it handles well. It, it, it's definitely competitive against the rest of the field. And it, it's just too bad that, by and large, through the first uh, five races of the season, it has to a certain degree been more of a one-man show with uh, Fernando rather than you know the tag team kind of thing with uh, Fernando and Lance. But first of all, I'd, l- I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, 2023 Fernando after five races. You know, I feel a little bit ashamed because so often during the winter, I would talk about what a huge disadvantage customer teams have versus the team that is supplying their power unit. And I think what we've seen so far is Aston Martin demonstrating what's truly possible as a as a, a customer team that that Mercedes sitting here so far this year with one podium I suppose that that second place finish that Lewis scored in Australia Fernando has now scored a podium in four of the five Grand Prix despite the fact that he's on the wrong side of 35 no he's on the wrong side of 40 and he's still absolutely hoovering up hoovering up all the available points and I think what's exciting about this is he's consistently putting the car in a position that if something untoward or unexpected was to happen to Sergio and Max on a Grand Prix weekend he could shuffle that Aston Martin to a position for a race win and I think that could possibly be the highlight of the entire season for so many of us but he he looks fantastic and if you listen to the commentary coming out of the the Aston Martin paddock over the course of the race week, they're they're bewildered by the pace that they've been able to put down so far this year. And I think early on, my suspicion was that, hey, you know, enjoy it while it lasts, because I think a lot of these other teams, specifically Mercedes and Ferrari, are going to start bringing some upgrades that are going to negate your advantage. But we certainly haven't seen that yet. And if anything, it seems like, and I got to be cautious when I say Aston Martin, because it's not Aston Martin, it's Fernando Alonso and his Aston Martin that are continuing to put the squeeze on what should be the superiorly superior funded teams in Ferrari and Mercedes. So all the credit in the world for, to Fernando. And I get it that that Lance picked up six spots in the midfield today, but it's it's remarkable just how much of a difference there is between this mid 20 year old driver that's a former four F3 champion and a 40 plus year old Fernando Alonso that Fernando Alonso is either still one of the very best racing car drivers on the planet or Lance's under delivering and I'm I'm a little bit disappointed and again there's some kind of unexpected circumstances surrounding Lance's exit in Q1 but he just he hasn't been even remotely close to Fernando I I do have to add as well and I don't know if you heard this but in the cool down room today uh, Max Verstappen um in uh in in direct response to Fernando last week giving advice over the radio to the team to relay to 
to Lance about brake balance. Uh, Max called Fernando Alonso a life coach, which I, I got quite a kick out of, but absolutely. And I think right now what Aston Martin's doing, especially what Fernando Alonso doing is in a lot of ways saving the season because there's so little else to talk about because Mercedes is just so mediocre and average and Ferrari is so much the same. Oh, totally. I mean, if you look at Nando's results this year, he's got four thirds and a fourth. So, I mean, he's been top five in five races. Then you look at Lance, he's got a six uh, to start the year in Bahrain, DNF in Saudi. So that wasn't really his fault. Then he got a fourth in Australia, a seventh in uh, Baku and 12th today in Miami. Then you look at uh, Lewis, for example, a fifth, a fifth. Uh, he had a second in uh, Australia, which was uh, good to see Lewis back up on the podium. And then uh, a pair of sixes in uh, Baku and then uh, USA. George, the same thing, a seventh, a fourth, a DNF, an eighth and a fourth. So nothing really too inspiring from him. And then Charles, two DNFs, a seventh, you know, two sevenths and a P3, which came uh, just uh, last week. And the same with uh, with Carlos Sainz. I mean, Carlos hasn't been on the podium either. I mean, he's had a fourth, a sixth, a twelfth, a fifth, and a fifth. And again, uh, you know, Carlos uh, today, I mean, he gets uh, you know smacked with uh, with a five-second uh, time penalty for, for speeding in the we, pit lane. By the and, way, and let's let's parking lot that whole Carlos Sainz conversation because okay. I, I, I think, and maybe we share that on another podcast, but you know, the, the way he left the door open for George today, the way that he left the door open for Lewis and Baku, I, I have to think that for amongst all of the things that Ferrari has to consider in terms of the development of the car and replacing a lot of the personnel that that team is losing, I think they need to take a serious look at the role of Carlos Sainz Jr. on on that team and in in the cockpit of a Ferrari Formula One car. Well, you know, I, I can't remember, and you know, apologies because uh, memory fails here, but uh, somebody had sent us a tweet or an email a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was a month or two ago, just like, why is do drivers not fight for more for their positions? It's just like, well, my race isn't with Lewis because, Juan you know, Solo, so Lewis Juan is my, Solo has yeah, sent that was exact that same DM yeah. Yeah, this weekend. And and every time I see uh, you know Carlos out on the track, I feel like that's like his his default mindset. Oh, I'm not fighting Lewis for position. My fight is with Esteban or you know whoever. Right? I, I just feel like that's his default mindset. That you know it's not trying to make you know life as difficult as possible for the guy that's coming up uh, behind me. But his uh, you know he's maybe overthinking things uh, to a degree that that my, my race is somewhere else because I'm faster or slower. What whatever it is but uh, extremely uh, frustrating um let's talk a little bit now about the uh, the, the two mercedes cars so we had uh, george in uh, in p4 i mean he was quite a bit uh, behind uh, you know uh, fernando the uh, carlos Sainz, and then lewis so we had a top six finish for the two mercedes cars lewis actually did uh, quite well to get up uh, as high as he did and you know again just disappointing to to see mercedes still not really anywhere and i i think until either they get all these upgrades on the car or they just decide okay we're, we're deploying the plan b car you know for the for the rest of the season it's just going to be kind of more or less the kind of you know the, the same thing it's just it's and and they got two such good drivers and george russell and lewis hamilton to see them kind of floundering out there and and, and not really super competitive while the red bulls are walking away with everything is um it, it's it, it's frustrating i mean 
I don't know. What's your thoughts on uh, Mercedes, Mark? Yeah, pretty visible this week. And I suppose you could you could make or give credit to Lewis for a, a relatively strong recovery drive that ultimately he didn't get out of Q2. He started 13th on the grid. He finished his P6. That's nice to see. Did most of his heavy lifting in the back half of the race. George Russell picks up a couple of spots because he started sixth on the grid. And ultimately, I think the, the consistency with which Mercedes is delivering these top kind of five, six, seven finishes is what enables them to stay so close to Aston Martin, the Constructors' Championship. But ultimately, I was expecting a little bit more in terms of pace out of the car this weekend, especially with the fact that they brought that new wing that was specifically, or at least we're told, was specifically tailored for the aerodynamic uh, chemistry of this track. And it just, it didn't seem to make a difference that ultimately George Russell finishes 33 seconds behind Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton finishes 51 seconds behind. And of course, that's that's aggravated because of the amount of work that he had to do to carve through the midfield. But ultimately, that that's nothing. Like I think we were expecting Alpine Renault to be finishing P4, 5, 6 in the championship this year, not necessarily Mercedes. And if you if you look at the improvement from last year, really, is there any improvement? Or have they made Doesn't improvement, like but it. Red Bull's improvement is that much better? So I think ultimately the disappointment this season is the car that Mercedes has been handing to Lewis and George Russell and a little bit of everything when it comes to Ferrari driver error, um, race craft strategy, and, and also the car that's being delivered to, <laughs> to those drivers. So, so basically the same things that we've been, and again, that's, know, that's not a criticism of Frederick Vasseur because Frederick Vasseur no, inherited no. that team and that car very late. And it's going to take I, a while for him to get his fair, imprint on it. Fair. But ultimately it's setting up for what's a relatively disappointing championship so far. Yeah, right. And I mean, the, the the Ferrari thing, I mean, that that's par for the course. I mean, these are the same complaints and the same criticisms that you and I have had of this team for the past uh, several years. And, and and like you say, Mercedes, I just kind of feel like it's a cut and paste job from, from 2022. Hoping for more, but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. I don't think we need to really jump into more about uh, Ferrari because I just feel like, you know, it's a cut and paste job from, from another podcast. It's like we can just kind of pre-record these things and just kind of like drop it in. And we can like bang these things out in about 15 minutes. We can just talk, talk about the topic du jour, our complete our criticisms and complaints about Ferrari that was the same as the week before and the month before and the year before. So we're all good there. But I do want to kind of finish up here and just talk quickly about uh, the, the two Alpines and talk about uh, the, the, the Haas of Kevin uh, Magnussen. Uh, you know, th- there's been some increased scrutiny coming from the top down, from the the lair, the full of Bond villains at uh, Renault World Headquarters. They, they they don't have a lair full of Bond villains. I just want to kind of throw that in there because I want to be in a lair full of Bond villains in uh, in a Bond film. But you know, maybe you know. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Anyways, but they are getting increased uh, scrutiny from uh, Laurent Rossi, and at least uh, today they had a double points finish. They they looked pretty good also in qualifying they didn't look like they were out there making up the numbers as we you know as we pretty much seen through the first four races of uh, of the year whether or not this is a true shift in form remains to be seen but i think uh, today 
maybe they just uh, breathe a little bit of sigh of relief and maybe kind of refocus. Yeah, you know, maybe we do have something here and uh, we, we just need to extract a little bit it's more not enough, out of the though. car. It's, so I, I agree. It's, no, it's not. It's Let, not. Let's, it's let's not. contextualize this. So this was a team that was looking to potentially solidify its P4 finish in the Constructors' Championship, maybe surprise somebody and finish P3. They are currently sitting P6. They scored six points today. They're currently sitting P6 in the Constructors' Championship with 14 points, tied with McLaren, who also has 14 points. Ferrari is sitting on 78. Mercedes is sitting on 96. Aston Martin sitting on 102 and Red Bull sitting on 224. I think it would take a monumental effort by that team to to finish P4 that this year will be a disappointment for them. Um, and I just I, I'm not necessarily sure where they go from here. And I just think Laurel Rossi will probably take a good hard look at Otmar that this is 100% now an Otmar assembled team that that he brought in Pierre mm-hmm. Gasly and he's he's been involved in every aspect of the development of that car now that that I think there's going to be some hard questions asked this year. And I just, I don't see how they can make some monumental improvements. And it's it's telling that you and I are sitting here and you're, you're remarking that, hey, look, you know what? Um, there's increased pressure and they finished P8, P9. I'm like, P8, P9 is a pretty disappointing finish when you consider that that Ferrari and Mercedes themselves aren't stalwarts this season, that Ferrari and Mercedes left a potential opening for a works team like Alpine to squeeze through, and they've just been absolutely nowhere this year. So you're you're kind of looking at the glass as half full, where or sorry, this half empty rather than I was saying it was half full kind of exactly. thing, right? Or did I mix yeah. that up? Hot take. Yeah, yeah, Hot no, that, that that that's fair. But you know, interesting, right? Because I mean, Otmar used to be the team principal at Aston Martin, and they kind of you know they kind of went through their thing under his uh, his guidance. You know, they remove him at the beginning of the last season. He goes over to Alpine. They put Mike Crack in. Now look where Aston Martin is. You know, they they've kind of. I mean, last year was a, was a tough year, but. All the talk coming out of Aston Martin is, yeah, the, the car isn't quite there, but we we really feel like you know we, we've got something here. We you know, we we feel like we have the basis of a good car. Fast forward to twenty twenty three and the first five races of the season, you know we we could re-cue that uh, whole conversation we had about fifteen minutes ago about Fred Fernando, which we don't need to do. But look where they are one, one year later, and say so you look where Otmar and his new team are. So it's kind of a, an interesting comparison to make, where you look at uh, Otmar's former. team team and his current team and their you know contrasting <clears throat> part of me fortunes so finally just want to mention uh, k mag here before we sign off so he gets uh, you know a single point coming in p10 was looking pretty racy there i i was wondering you know despite the fact that it was a, a bit bizarre to see uh, k mag way up uh, starting on row two uh, you know on the outside of row two to start to the, the the race i've I, you know, I wasn't sure if he'd be able to hang in there in the top 10, but he certainly did. Uh, I mean, he looked uh, pretty racy and dicing with, uh, you know, all the, uh, you know, some, some pretty big names there. And if uh, you take a look, uh, where did his teammates? So Hulkenberg finished in uh, in P15 by the time it was uh, all said and done. So, you know, I'll give uh, K-Mags uh, some props there. But again, he is a pretty hard racer. He does not give anybody a single millimeter of room out on the track there. I mean, if you get your car around and in front of Kevin Magnuson, you've darn well earned it because he's not a guy that will will give you an inch. You got you got to fight for that uh, that that position on him. And then just finally, uh, another pretty disappointing weekend for McLaren. P seventeen for Lando, Oscar Piastri. P nineteen, one lap down. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> I mean, nothing further to add. That's that's just uh, pretty 
pretty dreadful. Anyways, Hammy, anything else you want to add to this bad boy before we sign off? Yeah, just a couple of quick things that we have MotoGP 101 coming up possibly as soon as this coming weekend. So super excited about that. You and I will be back on Friday for a weekly news show. We don't have a Grand Prix this weekend, but stay tuned because we have a triple header coming up really fast. So it's coming weekend. We all get a break, take a breather, get some sun, and then we are back to back to back going to Imola Monaco and Spain. So these Grand Prix are going to come fast and furious, my friend. And then we get a week break and then we're back to North America for the second time this year in Canada. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. In just a couple of weeks, we'll actually be a third of the way through the season. And uh, I keep asking myself, is like, how did that happen so quickly? Considering we just had a month break uh, behind us, it, it, it feels like it's uh, just uh, escalating and ramping up uh, pretty quick. Anyways, we're going to park it there for for now. Thank you one and all for, for listening to the show. If you want to get in touch, send us a tweet at ScooterF1Pod. Send us an email at ScooterF1Pod at gmail.com. Promise we will do a mailbag soon or mailbag episode very, very soon and uh, if you like and enjoy the show please share it with a friend and hop on over to apple Podcasts or spotify and leave us a five-star rating and review because that is the quickest easiest and the best way that you can support us and hammy and i are so grateful for all the love and support that each and every one of you uh, lend and, and, and give to us it really um, it makes this fun to come and do this uh, as often as we do anyways that's it for now enjoy the week everyone and we'll be back again in a couple of get a couple of days. We'll talk then and bye for now.